This week on Art on the Air features Connecticut-born artist Laura Lee Sikorsky, who works in murals, fine art paintings, sculpture, and large-scale public works projects. Next, we discuss the current Greening of the Arts exhibit at Calumet College. Our spotlight is on LaPorte County Symphony's Carolyn Watson and Tim King with a jazzy American Salute concert on November 13th. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Larry. Art on the air today. Stay in the know with Larry and Esther. Art on the air our way. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart, express yourself to art, and show the world your heart. Welcome, you're listening to Art on the Air on WVLP 103.1 FM and Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM, our weekly program covering arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. I'm Larry Breckner of New Perspectives Photography, right alongside here with Esther Golden of The Nest in Michigan City. Aloha, everyone. We're your hosts for Art on the Air. Art on the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant through South Shore Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. Art on the Air streams live at WVLP.org and is rebroadcast on Monday at 5 p.m. Plus is also heard on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM every Sunday at 7 p.m. Also streaming live at LakeshorePublicRadio.org and is available on Lakeshore Public Radio's website as a podcast. Our spotlight interviews are also heard Wednesdays on Lakeshore Public Radio. Information about Art on the Air is available at our website, breck.com slash AOTA. That's breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com slash AOTA. That includes a complete show archive, spotlight interviews, plus our show is available on multiple podcast platforms, including NPR One. Please like us on Facebook, Art on the Air, WVLP, for information about upcoming shows and interviews. And we'd like to welcome to Art in the Air Spotlight. Well, they've both been with us before from the LaPorte County Symphony Orchestra, and they're going to be talking about their upcoming uh, concert, which is going to be a jazzy American salute. We have the conductor and music director and their first major outing with the orchestra, Carolyn Watson, and, of course, the executive director, Tim King. Welcome to Art in the Air Spotlight. Aloha, both of you. Thank you. Thank Great you. to be here again. Well, Carolyn, this is your first time out with the orchestra, except I know you just did the children's concerts, but I mean, this is your first regular concert. So tell us a little bit about what's going to be in a jazzy American salute on November 13th. Okay, so um, it's a wonderful program. I'm particularly excited about it for a number of reasons, actually. So we've titled it A Jazzy American Salute. And with respect to the inclusion of the word salute, that's because we would like to honor and recognize our veterans. Because, of course, a couple of days prior to our concert is, in fact, Veterans Day. So in the program, we've got a number of pieces, uh, including the Armed Forces Salute, America the Beautiful, etc., that uh, we would like to honor and recognize and thank our veterans for their service. And the other works on the program are just going to be, uh, I think, such a treat for the audience. So it's going to open with a work by a very young but very gifted American composer from Texas originally, and his name is Kevin Day. And he's He's amazing. 
He's actually going to be with us in oh Lahore, my gosh. so we're Excellent. very excited about that. And uh, the piece that we're going to play of his is called Lightspeed, a fanfare for orchestra. It's basically um, a two-and-a-half-minute tour de force of energy for the orchestra. I know the audience is absolutely going to love opening with this particular piece, and having Kevin there is going to be truly wonderful as well. Another treat for listeners is the concerto on the program. And for a concerto, it's relatively short. It comes in under 10 minutes. But, oh, my goodness, what happens in that short amount of time is just mind-blowing. And it's a work by Artie Shaw, and it is, in fact, his clarinet concerto. So we're going to be joined by a soloist um, from Europe, in fact, Peter uh, Smilev. And Peter is a doctoral candidate at the University of Kansas. He comes to us with professional European orchestral uh, experience and he is also uh, just a fabulous guy and a wonderful soloist. So he's going to pre present for us the Artie Shaw Clarinet Concerto. And rounding out the first half of the concert, we have got works by the great American educator, conductor, composer, Leonard Bernstein, of course, best known for West Side Story. But this is, uh, we've got three dance episodes from On the Town, which are just really fun, cool, jazzy, popular, just great pieces of music. And that takes us up to intermission. And following that, we've got a work that is new to Laporte audiences, and I'm particularly excited about uh, bringing it there. Uh, and it's uh, the Afro-American Symphony, the first symphony of great American composer, but um, one kind of has taken a little while for us to recognize just how good he was, uh, William Grant Still. Beautiful. Beautiful program. Uh, Tim, we'll kick it to you for a minute. So I'm sure tickets are going well. Tell us about the ticket sales and availability, where everything's at. Thank you. Uh, well, tickets are going well. We only have two more tables available on the floor um, at this point uh, for that concert. Um, they can always get their tickets at lcso.net. Uh, we also have tickets available at Roxy Music in Laporte in the Civic Auditorium. Another, another thing that's, that we have just come upon that's been a really nice addition is we have had a very generous donor that is going to pay the admission for any veteran and their guests to come oh, to the concert. Excellent. Well, that helps the orchestra and it helps the veterans, but this is something that they wanted to do. So we want to get that word out there. And they just simply call the orchestra at 219 362-9020, or they can send us a, um, an email through our website, lcso.net, with their name and email, and we will take care of them and have them come to the concert. Gosh, what a beautiful thing. And Carolyn's done such a great job. I, I, I have to admit, most of these pieces I was not familiar with, and I've been in arts administration for years, but boy, after hearing some of these pieces, uh, no pun intended, but I'm really jazzed about this. <laughs> <laughs> How appropriate. Yeah. So, Carolyn, do you know Kevin Day? Is that how you reached out to him, or did he reach out to the symphony? Yeah, so um, I came across this work uh, just shortly before the pandemic, in fact, in one of my last gigs before uh, basically travel and the world shut down way back in February 2020, I believe. Right. And uh, I was doing a, 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 an invitational at Washington and Lee University in Virginia, and my colleague who had invited me to work with the orchestra there had in fact commissioned this piece from Kevin Day and it was on the program and over the course of the, the weekend I worked on that piece and, and, and got to know it and kind of recognized really what a great piece it was and what a good fit 
for the LCSO it would be. And I have actually since then done it on two other occasions. So I'm more than excited that we can open um, our our subscription concert season this year. And obviously my my first one as music director with this great, great piece by Kevin Day. What are we looking forward to for the uh, rest of the seasons, uh, holiday and some of the other concerts real quick in our about last minute left here? Yeah, so we've got a wonderful holiday pops lined up. Um, And then we're going to see uh, audiences again in March with a classical focused program centered around the music of Tchaikovsky, including Verdi's Force of Destiny Overture. We've got a wonderful cello soloist called Hannah Collins, who's going to play Tchaikovsky's Rococo variations and then finish with Tchaikovsky's Mighty Symphony Number 5. And then in April... Audiences are going to love a wonderfully exciting uh, concert full of film music. The central work on that is the great Star Wars suite by uh, Los Angeles-based composer John Williams. Oh, my gosh. And, Tim, you had to wrap up here in the last 30 seconds. Well, uh, again, tickets um, uh, available on our website, lcso.net. We have a limited amount of tickets because of still the pandemic and, and, the, and the various stages that we're in, but we are going to have the concert and, and uh, so far uh, terribly excited about the tables on the floor uh, so far and that the chance that we're going to be able to have, take care of our veterans as well to come to the concert. Well, we appreciate you coming on Art in the Air. Carolyn Watson, Music Director for the LaPorte County Symphony and Executive Director Tim King. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing about your upcoming concerts. Yes, thank you. It's an amazing lineup. Thank, thank you both. Thank you both, yeah. You're listening to Art on the Air, WVLP 103.1 FM, and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. We'd like to welcome to Art on the Air, Connecticut-born artist currently living in the Midwest. Her art's been shown throughout the United States in London, Berlin, and has appeared in a number of art literary journals. She's also a certified yoga teacher since 2004. She's continued her training with multiple certifications, including meditation, and integrates the Eastern disciplines in the creation of work. Please welcome to our there, Laura Lee Sikorsky. Thank you so much for having me. What a delight oh. to be here. Aloha. It's very nice. Well, Laura Lee, we like to always start off with our audience to find out a little bit about our guests and kind of like your personal biography, your personal story, like how you got from where you were to where you are now. So tell us about yourself. Well, I, um, as you mentioned, I'm a Connecticut-born artist, but I have been living in the Midwest for quite some time now. And um, I spent a lot of time um, in my younger years managing and working in health clubs and in the health um, industry. And I would sort of dabble, um, draw paint on the side. And it was really my sweetheart that was very encouraging of me. And I... uh, I pushed it a little bit at a time that I lived in Minneapolis, um, which is really very an, an art focused area. I uh, showed some of my paintings in a little um, coffee gallery. It was like my first little step into it. And I was still working full time um, at something else. And it's once you get started, I think, at least for me, once I put my toe in the water, um, I really started to think that, you know, that that was a real part of me as opposed to just a little, um, you know, doodling fantasy sort of thing. So it started with just a little cafe, um, you know, gallery showing my work and getting positive feedback. And then I would just continue to do things like that 
and also continue to work in the fitness industry uh, for the most part. So the two kind of came up together until I got a little more mature and finally decided to go specifically into yoga, which is certainly fitness related, but much more um, for my own spiritual journey, which is really lacking at the time. <laughs> so I went through um, my first of many teacher trainings and that really unlocked more of um, more of the art, which was be more of my authentic self, which is really what we kind of hope a spiritual journey offers us is more um, the truth that lives in us rather than who we might think we should be in the world. So, so Laura Lee, Laura Lee, what were those first paintings like? What were your subjects? Because I know your your spiritual or your yoga practice has led to, um, you know, your art to develop in that way. But what were those first paintings and what was the medium you were using? Um, from, you know, day one, I, I have always been incredibly courageous with the mediums that I've chosen because I'm not formally trained. So I do not have any such need to follow <laughs> any guidelines or any rules. And that's always just served me really well. So I can remember one painting in particular. I like I miss them like I miss friends. You know, um, uh, it was a nude and it was, you know, bright oranges. And I used an acrylic um, and I used the paint so thickly that it was three dimensional and she was striding forward. She just had one leg walking forward and the body was exquisite and the colors were um, bright and delightful. It was not whimsical, but it was very uplifting. And um, and it might have been probably, as I remember that, um, my foray into, I don't set out to paint a certain thing for the most part. I, I'm really a stream of consciousness person. I'm a stream of consciousness yoga teacher, <laughs> stream of consciousness person. So what comes out is is often, not always, but often very much from some other part of myself being accessed. And then I did, um, as I said, not always, I did one of the covers of, I, I think it was Pink Floyd that had a, you have something right now in the background. I can see you guys, but you can't see me. Um, it was kind of a primal mask. And when I saw the, the back when, you know, you could see albums, <laughs> when I saw the album, I, it just really struck me and I wanted to paint that. So I did my version of that, which was just a little more, um, three-dimensional than what you'd see on that album cover, a little bit more, you know, um, intense. And I think um, I think I did a lot of, of figures, the human figure in that show. Well, I was going to ask you, you, since you didn't have any formal training, though, how did you acquire, and maybe it was just very natural, the skills to uh, create in the various art mediums you use? Well, you know, everybody um, in high school has to take an elective. <laughs> so that was the very start. And the art teacher that I had, um, which I have had have stayed in touch with all these many years until very recently, um, she's passed on. But she also taught my um, older sister, who is also an artist. And my mom um, was an artist and did a lot of artwork in college. And she ended up having five children, so not really pursuing it. But um, there is something to that handed down trait. And then as far as the mediums, um, I think I was 
always self-taught. So I didn't just sort of willy nilly. I mean, I was always watching, reading books, watch. I'm like, my library is filled with um, books about art and artists and mediums. And so the way that somebody might pick up a bunch of nonfiction novels, I would always pick up that sort of book (laughs) and accumulate (laughs) them and then just say, oh, that would be neat. And that would be neat. And then going into an art store with art, you know, that arsenal of knowledge and just being courageous. Very just good. thinking there's nothing I can't do. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the art of possible just by, uh, by learning it on your own. So, uh, well, uh, you know, while we, before we explore, you know, any more of your art, let's talk about COVID because that's been a real impact on artists this past, well, over a year and a half. Um, how's that impacted you in terms of, well, yoga, but also your art? And did you find that it was a depressing thing or maybe a more creative period for you? Well, now that we've had uh, a little bit of distance since that initial lockdown, I've I've been aware of many stories um, in this regard, and I have not I've yet to <laughs> find uh, someone who has had it impact um, them the same way it has me, uh, which is not to say they're not out there. But a lot of creative people really just were very prodigious. I mean, they just really took that that free or that extra time. And we're able to really dial into the quietness in the world or, or whatever. That was not me <laughs> at all. It hurt it in, in hindsight, you know, from this point, looking back, it really hit me hard. And I didn't know it at the time because I'm sort of an innately positive person. So I don't really allow myself to um, sometimes feel um, as deeply as it could pull you into. And also I had the responsibility of, I'm also a yoga teacher and um, we were going through that together. So um, I've been teaching for a very long time and at the moment had um, a core group of students who stayed with me. And even though we had to take a a big break from, from classes, we did come back with tiny little classes. So, um, (laughs) It was financially extremely um, difficult. It was um, energetically, I, um, again, in hindsight, I could see how my energy was slowly getting less so. In the moment, I just sort of felt like, oh, well, we're just doing classes a little dialed down. I had no, I had no private lessons. I had no, not so much where I'd have very, very close contact. We were very spatial, very distant, like three people in a class, so very sparse. And I, when it came time to have an, you know, to kind of rebuild, to sort of come back to life again, I have been noticing even up until this moment, um, my energy is just very different. It's, it's, it's actually unfamiliar to me. So I'm getting to know this new me. <laughs> and is it more, Laura Lee, is it more subdued or? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it is, um, with a different kind of clarity. And um, I dare I say it, uh, maybe a maturity. <laughs> uh, I know I was going to say it's kind of bred some ancient wisdom, um, you know, allowing to enter, I think, you know. Well, currently, I just I just the um, this past week, and I went and I picked up um, some art that I felt just so delighted to, um, to be in this this show at the um, Springfield, Ohio, Smithsonian affiliate. And it was one of their anniversary shows um, celebrating, you know, their 
their beautiful, beautiful location. And as such, that one of the people from the Smithsonian who has quite a lot of credentials came and juried the show. And that was super fun for me. And this was art that I had finished um, just before the pandemic. I mean, real close to it, super neat stuff. And I, when I couldn't really um, find my way into doing new stuff, I um, looked at the, the stuff that I already had and I entered that <laughs> into different um, venues just to, keep, just to keep moving forward. And um, all of it very well received. I, during that pandemic, I was published a few times. I was um, critiqued by um, a few um, art critics. I got into that Springfield um, Museum and another uh, venue. So uh, it wasn't, it was a different kind of moving forward where I guess I'm very used to just doing as much art as I can whenever I can. Uh, that just sort of changed <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> and then I shifted to sculpting um, and that proved to, and still proves to be a big learning ground. Um, I've been painting and drawing all my, you know, for as long as I can remember, but sculpting is newer to me. What are you using? I'm using a medium that is relatively new. I think the company, if I'm not mistaken, is only about um, five years old and it's out of New Zealand and it is a, um, it's their own special blend. <laughs> the there's a husband and wife. The wife being the artist, and the husband was in the um, the construction and entertainment industry. And he designed this with her together. And it is like a, a, a like a concrete mix, but it has a couple of other ingredients in it that allow it to be super soft and and um, at the right consistency, just like clay. And it has fiberglass fibers in it. And so when it dries, it's lighter in weight and it is virtually indestructible. I mean, just you could smash it up against a wall. So if it's properly cured, it's virtually indestructible and um, for a very long time. And it's been used in um, major installations for large outdoor sculptures, which is really what I would like to do. And I'm in the process of doing it's just it's just taking me a while to get that cure rate. Um, I think I might have sent you a little uh, photograph that um, came up of um, some sculptures that I'm working on for the Long Beach School. And as things happen the way they do, the temperature in the studio got to be like 87 degrees because the air conditioning went out and it was also incredibly humid. And so the sculpture that I did didn't cure properly. And now I have to completely redo it. Oh, <laughs> um, no. oh. so, what is the product called? It's Paltia. And, uh, in, and in the picture, um, for whatever reason, this particular product they have found adheres extremely well to crumpled up very strong tinfoil. So you can make your armature um, and your base out of anything and then put the crumpled up tinfoil on it and then put the Paltia medium on it just like you would clay. Or you could have completely all um, crumpled up super strong um, tinfoil and just make your armature out of that. And it's just incredibly versatile and pretty exciting. 
And um, so I've been playing with it and that's kind of where I'll continue to, uh, to, to put my attention, I think. So Laura Lee, what would you describe your art as? I mean, I'm looking at your Instagram right now and it's such a variety of different things. <laughs> and including, I see, I, I see a picture of somebody taking a bow at a theater thing. I don't know if you're involved in theater or anything, but yeah, yeah. well, we'll talk about that in a minute. But just first of all, uh, describe, how would you just self-describe your art to someone who doesn't know and can't see it on the radio? Um, eclectic and authentic. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And it's and very personal to me. Um, I haven't quite gotten to the point where I'm trying to please others. <laughs> so mm -hmm. that, that might come in more as I mature even more. Um, but I am, I'm a pretty off the cuff person in general. And so um, it's, it's what I'm, whatever I'm drawn to, whatever is, whatever is coming either from my subconscious or from the energy that I'm in. Um, I did so I, this. So is that how the yoga and the art then play back and forth? So do you yeah. like when you're, when you're in a meditative state or a yoga state, um, are you able to then go to that art place while you're there and something comes to you or is it, or does it happen in the flip? Like when you're in front of a piece of work that you're working on, do you then um, slip into that meditative state and let that take over as well? So how does it, how, what is the connection for you? Um, the connection is when I get out of the way, when uh, the more that I'm out of the way. So it probably seems really strange um, to people who haven't spent any time around me, but in the, in the 15 years that I've been teaching, I, um, at one point I started teaching with my eyes closed <laughs> the entire <laughs> class. And I would direct people in and out of movement and in a solid flow, um, completely with my eyes closed because it came from a space that at least partially, if not wholly was not me. That was the, that was that namaste, that, that deep spirit me. And in that space, sometimes wisdom comes out that is not mine because I'm just not that wise, but from like messages in a way. And it took me a little bit to get comfortable with that way of teaching. And certainly it was not the way I was taught to teach. <laughs> um, but sooner or later, you just got to be you, right? So I just went with it. And then I ended up having a core group who understood that and appreciated that. And so from that space, all creativity, whether it's acting, because I loved to, the plays that I've been in, um, acting is, is fun. It's, I don't take it seriously. I don't want to be an actress per actor per se, but it is definitely, it shakes up the creative boundaries of the source of creativity for music, for writing poetry, for writing fiction, for writing, um, and for creating painting or sculpture or any kind of craft or three-dimensional, the source of originality is that is the source of everything it's the one source it's what created the world it's the same source so i don't use it just for one medium i go to the source and what comes from the source is what you know is is that purity you know does I, that make any sense it makes Even a lot of sense it, like, yeah <laughs> i'd like to now quickly explore your theater though i i see the one that uh, is on your instagram is with the footlight players i think it was cemetery club but tell us about some yeah. of the shows you've in uh plays and or musicals or whatever 
Well, just I've only got to do a few and before COVID hit, but one of them that um, I what I really wanted to do is I wanted to feel what it was like to be the lead, you know, to have that kind of responsibility, to have that dialogue and to be so pivotal. You know, people who are true to the craft, they're like, there's no small parts. There's only small actors. <laughs> I'm not that. I'm not true to the craft. I'm true to me, <laughs> which is uh, just the way it is. That's just honestly the way it is. But I did a um, Crimes of the Heart where I got to really um, hold, have a tremendous amount of dialogue. And it was awesome. I got to have a different accent. It just turned out fantastic. So I loved it. Any more theater in your future uh, you're looking for? Well, now time just feels like since I'm <laughs> since I've slowed down just in general, I can't imagine where I found the time to begin with to do it all, you know, from this from sitting where I'm sitting. I understand. Well, having been a retired musical theater director, I understand uh, is a long commitment putting on a show. What are you yeah. looking what are you looking forward to now that uh, well, we're hopefully seeing the light at the end of the tunnel with COVID, things that you've been wanting to do but you know, with the Delta variant of course coming out, we haven't been able to do. So what are you looking forward to? Well, I used to do um a lot of workshops and one of the things that came up during um COVID is this is really deep deep self-care. Like I I I got a um a steam facial machine where you could, you know, like when you have a an a barbershop, they put those steam facial things on you. The, <laughs> so I got a thing that I could do that and warm stones and aromatherapy and deep 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 meditation. So I would uh, I would like to do that more freely and not feel so freaked out by proximity of people and masking and whatnot. So I'm looking forward to doing that. And sculpting, just getting some uh, time in to get that done. So what kind of, is it, is it figurative, abstract? What kind of, what are you being drawn to, to sculpt? Well, uh, just the, the first grouping are all um, uh, mother nature and female oriented. So there's a female that almost looks like a mother Mary, mother nature figure. And I'm going to embellish her with leaves and birds and, you know, really blending with nature and very reverent. And then there's a, um, a, a, a one sitting in a meditative pose and I will adorn her the same way, but she'll be meditating almost like the Eastern and the Western in a sense, Mother Mary, and then like a Gaia, you know, sort of figure. And then um, one of them is just a pair of legs, a full-bodied pair of legs. And then I want to, I'm working on them, having a little <laughs> little challenge getting there, but I'll get there. Um, her upper body is a tree, like literally just the branches and maybe a little nest and then maybe, um, uh, you know, a bird here or there. But her legs are in... Um, in rocks so she's a part of the earth and then it grows up into the tree so it's very much a blended being um i just need to get through <laughs> just need to get through these <laughs> they, they're they're fairly large and i don't know what will go I, I would like to go into kind of dolly territory like very uh, um very strange territory like salvador dolly <laughs> <laughs> Sounds wonderful. So uh, we're getting close to the end here. Uh, so tell us a little bit about how people can find you, uh, uh, either website, uh, Facebook. Uh, I know you have an Instagram. So tell us how, how we find you on those uh, places. Um, I During COVID, I really, I let my... Um, I let my websites go. <laughs> I didn't up, I didn't re up them. 
And I had uh, my Facebook hacked. And then I just thought, you know, I need to take a break from that. There was a lot of uncomfortable energy all around Facebook with the election and all of that. So I I have not been on that page. And then it got hacked. So I now I can't get into it. (laughs) Um, So I am on Instagram and my name, which would probably be on this show. You can Google me and a lot of my art will come up. And uh, my yoga schedule will just magically appear on there without a a website. (laughs) Very good. Well, we appreciate you coming on Art in the Air. That's Laura Lee Sikorsky. Uh, You can find her on Instagram on LLSikorsky, underscore original, underscore art. And you can find her there. Also on Facebook, it's Fun Loving Deep Stretching, which is kind of more your yoga side, Laura Lee Sikorsky. Thank you so much for coming on Art in the Air. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. You guys have a lovely rest of your day. You as well. Thank you. You're listening to Art on the Air, WVLP 103.1 FM, and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. And we'd like to welcome to uh, this segment of Art in the Air from Greening of the Arts, and we'll talk more about that later, uh, Michael Bowes, who's uh, founded the Association for the Wolf Lake Initiative in 1999. And we'll talk more about that. He spent more than 50 years in the field of communication as a journalist and public relations and we have Roman Villarreal of Chicago, a former steelworker, but he sculpts multi-figure expressions from the human experience. And also included in this, in our interview, will be Maria Villarreal, and they'll all tell us all about themselves. Welcome, all three of you, to Art on the Air. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Aloha. It's so wonderful to see you all. So we'll start with you, Michael. We'd like to hear a little bit more about your background. Uh, like I always like to say, how you got from where you were to where you are now, where you grew up. Uh, education, family, and anything like that. So tell us about yourself, Michael. Oh, okay. Um, I grew up in eastern Iowa, uh, attended the uh, University of Iowa, uh, undergraduate work, um, went into the Army um, for a short stint with the um, artillery, and then returned, uh, went back and got my graduate degree at, at the University of Iowa, and then um, Traveled to Chicago, where I worked at the University of Chicago for 10 years. Um, and then um, I uh, went west, went to California for about a decade. And I was um, managing a newspaper out there, as well as consulting with um, other groups, including a, a school district. And then um, I returned to Chicago um about 20 years ago and um or actually about 30 years ago and um have been uh working here since uh, i started um uh the association for the wolf lake initiative in 1999 and that was um a primary purpose in doing that was to uh, bring uh the managers of the Wolf Lake watershed together. It's a, a bi-state uh, watershed, and um, folks in Illinois weren't talking to the folks in Indiana. So the purpose of the organization was to bring these two together, and I think the first year that we were formed, we were able to bring them together, and um, that was probably the last meeting that they were they ever held. So our efforts um, to do that haven't been that successful, but um, we keep trying doing, keep uh, trying it anyway. And I, I would like to um, add that uh, the green of the yard actually 
um, started in 2005, I believe. And um, but in 2004, um, I ran into Rowan after maybe about uh, eight years. I hadn't seen him for eight years. Uh, I think we did something together in in Hyde Park, and it was a fundraiser there, and that's where I met him. And um, then I ran into him again um, in 2004, and I we were having a dinner coming up, and I said, you know, why don't you pick some of your artwork along, and uh, we'll have it on display for our dinner. And um, I just meant a few things, and it ended up being something greater than that. And Rowan, do you recall what that involved? Yeah, that was uh, that was interesting because one of the things that I learned while uh, working with Mike is, is that uh, there's no such thing as we can't do it. That was interesting to us because that particular show that we had in the first one, I think the lights went out. Uh, anything that could go wrong went wrong, but it didn't stop us from going on. All we did was light some candles, continue with the program. But it really showed me uh, that no matter hook or crook, no matter what, we were going to do this. And I've been with him all the time. Every time he calls a room, I'm like, yeah, of course, I'm with you. You know, I'm counting in definitely. So and did I, you come uh, with a tra- did you come with a trailer full of work when Michael is talking uh, about it was uh, more afraid, than he expected? Afraid. So matter of fact, we brought one of Maria's sculptures. She had did a 15 or 16 foot giraffe. Wow. Now the interesting part is, mind you. We're coming down the street in Indiana, 16 feet, plus the truck. So we were like 20 feet. We had, we had to figure out what streets to go down there. We couldn't go through ride docks or anything like that. So it was a heck of an experience. But we did it. <laughs> we did it. It was funny as heck. So yeah, we, we finally tilted the giraffe forward over the cab so it could get under the street lights or the viaducts or whatever. But it took us a while. And, um, but uh, we finally got that through, and and that and that giraffe stayed there, yes, in the building for uh, years. Yeah, about three, four years it stayed there. Yes. Wow. So Roman, did you grow up in an art? You and both Maria, both of you. Um, this question: um, Did you grow up in artistic households? So what well, what pushed you to the arts? Well, according to my mother, I've always had the gift of shaping. Even when I was a little kid, I always had the gift of shaping. But because we came from a steelworker's family, uh, the funniest thing to me on this particular thing is, I remember the first time, I was already married to Maria, we already had children, I was working in steel mills, went to a stint in the military, and I went up to my father and I told him, um, I want to go to the Art Institute. He looked at me for a minute and he goes, are you crazy? How the heck are you going to feed your family? See, we got to understand during that period, education was not part of us able to trade plumbers, electrician. Now this was work, not an artist. Did you hear? I always heard, oh, it's so nice that you can do that art thing, but you better have a real job. (laughs) (laughs) Well, luckily that between me and Maria, we were able to kind of balance it because, you know, by myself, it would have been a lot more difficult. We had to raise our children, we had bills to pay, but we were very, very fortunate that after we stepped, see, the, the main reason that we took the big step was once the mills closed, we had to make a decision in life. And one of the decisions that we made together as a couple was that we were going to be the masters of our own state because no more we were going to, I was not going to work no more for anybody because it wasn't working for us. 
we were very fortunate that from the very beginning of our original shows, people took an interest in us and kind of encouraged us to keep going to the point where we're at now, where we're at now as, as artists. Uh, so, yeah, Maria, tell us a little bit about yourself, your your journey also, uh, growing up and things all the way until uh, you got to Michael. Um, I never um, did art at home. I was uh, raised with my parents and seven brothers and sisters. And so, therefore, uh, the art didn't hit me until after my kids were a bit little kids and we started having birthday parties. And then I started making puppets because they were raised in Sesame Street. So I, I went to the Goodwill that was in the neighborhood and I created all the Sesame Street characters out of scratch. And that's what started me into the arts, self-taught. And I've been doing, my mom said, where are you getting all these ideas from? I said, I don't know, mom. I feel the need to do that. So then later in life, I started doing quilts and teaching kids how to sew, teenagers. And it, things just grew after that. So when you do your resume, you realize how long you've been doing things. I'm like, ah! But it's been a it's been good for us. It's uh, been good for my kids, um, and I meet a lot of people. I remember a few years back I was um, in Jules and uh, went back in the day when it was Jules, and I turned around and bumped into a young man, and and uh, he was a tall guy, and I looked up. He goes, "Oh, it's the puppet lady." <laughs> what? <laughs> and this was a, a young man already, you know, grown, and he had remembers me when he was a little kid, but. I love what I do. Uh, the pandemic put me in a pretty, uh, little bit of retirement, but I'm still working for an organization in my neighborhood, Sky Art. And, uh, I love kids. And so that's until Rome and I said, we're not couch potatoes, so I guess we're going to keep going. <laughs> so do you ever have the opportunity? I know that, um, you support each other both very much, but do you ever, does, does your work ever do you ever collaborate with each other? Have you ever worked on something together? Uh, yeah, matter of fact, that you mentioned it now, we're doing a series of work. I, I kind of really like this. We're doing a series of work that's going to Dallas, Texas, and he's uh, um, for Garden, Texas, and we're making like a Katrina and all this. But what we're doing that's kind of unique is we're collaborating our skills, and I really, really like it. I think we discovered something a little bit more interesting that we never knew is how our collaboration works together. Now, mind you, we have our own separate spaces. Mm-hmm. We live together. Essential. We're uh, way on that side over there being creative, and I'm on way on the other side. So this period was really interesting to us because we really went into an art mode. And it was a very, very creative time. A lot of people didn't really uh, go into the mode. But for some reason, it worked for us. Because I created over a hundred and something new pieces of artwork and that, that's a short period of time, along with the works that Maria created. But this newest works together is a takeoff on, uh, what's her name? She's doing a show at the Art Institute. What, uh, uh, she, she was at the Art Institute. Uh, yeah, her last name was Butler. She did a, a quilting show. It, it, it's gone now. Yeah. And so I do textile art. He's just like, it's like, this is so cool. So like, all right, fine. But as for our different art things, um, he always gives me the right to, to be with him at his studio or something and, and his friends and all that. And I'm like, you know, sometimes man and woman, have you live together and you got to be separate from each other. So I said, I give you your space, you know. I like my space, you know. I like to be left alone with my own music and stuff, to be creative. 
And then when he comes home and the music's blasting, because you never know where I'm at. I might be in the attic or basement or wherever. And he, I don't know he's in because he lowers my music. I'm like, gee, he lowers my music. What the heck? But, you know, it's it's that way. You know, he goes to one side, I go to another, and my kid's like, wow, this is uh, kind of unusual. I go, it's what it is. It's our space. Yeah, and it's interesting because uh, hopefully um, we're going to put together a, a series. We don't know how, exactly how many. But we're thinking of collaborating together for the first time and as artists. And uh, it, it's, I'm looking forward to it because we're really interested because of her skills with textile. I'm more primitive. I glue everything. Yeah. Right glue here, glue here. I can so feel the energy of it just by you talking. I'm so excited. <laughs> she takes it to the other level, which is a little more calmer. She sews things together and adds this. What do you think of this? Me, I'm with glue. Give me, yeah. glue. Give me the glue gun. <laughs> He's so impatient. But I turn around and... Uh, it, it, it's just so odd that, you know, you sometimes you would think you would clash and stuff. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to walk away from this guy because, you know, <laughs> I got my ideas and you're not going to crush him. It's just so crazy. It's like, okay, 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 we'll do it. Let me see what you're talking about. But, you know, it's, it's, uh, I, I look at it like this, you know, he's pushing me to come out more with my art because I have always worked in schools and stuff. And so I'm like, I have always felt like, no, man, you're the artist. You know, he goes, no, Marie, you're an artist. I'm like, but I, you know, it's hard for women to do that. So my women friends are like, you know, you, you do this, this, and that. But like, it's okay. Because to me, in my world, Romy always is going to be the sculptor. But you know, like, and in, in it's, it's really valid what you're saying, because as a textile artist myself, primarily, mm-hmm. um, I was doing it in the 70s. And textiles artists were on the lowest rung of the... Mm-hmm the art chain, you know, it was just like non-existent. And so to be a textile artist, I, you know, it was, you were very ignored and, mm-hmm. but now it's like, it's finally coming to fruition where everybody is pre- appreciating everything that textiles encompasses. I and I think it does blend really beautifully with other disciplines. So I'm so excited to see what you're doing. You're listening to Art on the Air, WVLP 103.1 FM, and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. It's interesting that you mentioned the 70s, because I remember a show at the Cultural Center in Chicago, and this was a woman who did this huge textile art. I have a copy of her book. I just can't remember her name off now. I think she was some Polish or from, from Europe, Eastern Europe. But she was an inspiration because when she was doing that work in the 70s, Textile was very, very popular. In the and, 70s, yeah. And and then it went away for a while, and I sort of starting to see it again, which is really interesting, you know. But I, but I, I, she impressed me, this particular artist. I just can't remember her name right now. But she, what an show. It was really amazing, amazing what she did. Huge work. I also turned around. I made two pieces of art, which I show here. And uh, Frida Kahlo inspired me at a personal time in my life when I was feeling like, you know, needed somebody's inner strength. So um, I created two pieces of uh, Frida Kahlo out of foam. One was legs. Remember that? Yeah. It's called, she's called Mistress of the Cosmos. Real sexy piece. And one is uh, called The Many Faces of Frida, which is a piece of Roman's uh, foam from his, um, his, uh, his bronze piece. So he had scraps, so I took him and created some artwork. And friends, when they show, they go, Oh, you're getting inspired by Rome because he's a sculptor? And I look at them, I'm like, gee, I never looked at it like that, but that's cool, I guess. But you know, you know what I mean? When you're living with somebody, you're like, 
it's okay, I don't know, you know, but I'm like, well, until I play with the clay or I tried sculpting, it's just a little bit too much for my up your arm and stuff. I'm like, yeah, that ain't me. I'll just stick to what I can do. But when they tell me that, I go like, yeah, I suppose after living with him all these years, I suppose he's growing on me. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it's mutual. (laughs) But I I love my textile art. I I love, I love that. I love quilting. Uh, and I, and I feel I'm going back into puppetry with these young kids that I'm going to be teaching now. But you also do mosaic as well, right? Oh, I do. I do. I, I mean, my family's like, when are you going to stop doing all this? I go, hey, man, if it was given to me, you know, my friends, you know, here, take this. What then you want to do with You know, I'm just hoping one of my great grands, because we have money, takes up all this stuff. So this way I can say, hey, take this material, you know, let's do something. That's my goal. Well, what's interesting about our home, as an example, I have over 900 pieces of art. My daughter got together about a year ago, and she started, she wants to become, she's becoming my age, and she's taking over. She was totally, even Maria was amazed at what I had put away. In one roll of paintings alone, I was doing a series of, of, of uh, cubist art. 50 paintings. I even forgot they were there, because she started bringing things up. She goes, uh, Rome, you didn't sign this one. I said, what are you talking about? Now, this is my, this is my work. And I'm even surprised myself. Where did you get this from? Where, where is this stuff coming from? So I'm bringing them up from downstairs. And so, like, I'm cleaning them up, washing them up, drying them. And then all he got to do is sign them, right? So I come up with the first 10, and then I take them down. And I come up with the next 10. And all of a sudden, he's painting something new on the side. And then all of a sudden, he, he looks up and goes, where's this coming from? I look at him for a minute. i like, don't play that game with me. This is your work. <laughs> Are you for real? And he goes, he's looking at him. And then all of a sudden, he's painting him. I come back up with the third pen, and he goes, I think, hey, what are you doing? You're supposed to just be signing them. Well, I don't feel it's done. And then my daughter says, leave him alone. Let him finish it. I go like, this will take forever. <laughs> but that's where we're at. And we're getting ready. If everything works out, we have a friend of ours named uh, Fuji Amara. It's the uh, Fufio. He just recently published a book. And he wants to take the task of cataloging my work and photographing it. It's a huge task. Yes. It's going to be a you huge know, it task. sounds like a museum. It sounds like you could start a museum, actually. Well, <laughs> I, well speaking of museums, the Into a Museum, well, that's funny. It's like in, 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 into, into it. But for some strange reason, I was calling it Inuit. That's my call. I was doing a thing on Inuit. <laughs> so for one whole year, I'm telling people, oh, I'm going to be in the Inuit Museum. I'm going to be in Inuit and everywhere. And I want to Finally, this friend of ours, Fahim, who's one of the curators for the Inuit, tells me, home. first of all, there ain't no Mexicans in Alaska. What are you talking about? And he goes, it's called Inuit. Mm-hmm. Well, anyways, uh, they're coming. To, they came to see me. They were impressed with my work, so my I'll be having a one-man show there in March if everything works out. Mm-hmm. We're working out the details now. But it's funny because uh, they want to invite me to England, and I kept telling myself, what the hell would I be doing in England? I, this is one of the last places I ever thought I would even go because it's not, I never really thought about it. So I was oh, man, it's an honor. I said, okay, fine. I mean, I'll, if I go, I'll go, but I'm not really looking forward to it. But it's kind of a, a it's sinking in slowly. Uh, for the both of us, at what level we are as artists. Because to me, people look at me and say, oh my God, you got so much work. I don't see it. That's the other problem with me. I still don't feel that I've done enough work. I still have to go more. I haven't, I haven't reached my level of 
And Roman, you just got to follow the wave too. Just let the wave take you. No, no, that's, uh, that's the beauty of it. That's really what mm-hmm. it is. Well, we need to ask Michael something about uh, the exhibit itself, if you can uh, talk about it. Now, you had your opening, uh, uh, let's see, this is your 16th Green of the Arts show. And it opened on October 15th. Of course, we're airing this uh, after the opening, but you can still see it. But tell us a little bit about like, some of the artists that are in it, uh, how they got in it. Uh, it'll be going through November 16th, I believe. So tell us a little bit about the exhibit itself. Well, I, um, first of all, I ask artists um, that, have, um, that use um, re- um, materials that have... Uh, that have been used before, or that they um, that they focus on nature or the environment, and so these are kind of the artists I'm looking for, and um, and so this year we have uh, seven artists actually. Um, one uh, Carol, I'll just go alphabetically. Uh, Carol Estes from uh, Laporte, and um, she does. Um, uh, she had appeared at one of my earlier shows, uh, but I couldn't remember when, and then she said, uh, oh, it was 2013, So, and so this is the, the second time that she'll be uh, showing, uh, and she's kind of a, a self-made artist, uh, uh, she's an award-winning photographer, um, and um, she says that she's joined the ranks of artistry late in life, picking up a camera at age 53, so she's not ashamed of telling what her age is, um, and uh, so I look forward uh, to seeing her again. Um, there are two photographers, um, other photographers uh, in the show. Uh, one is Rebecca Moss of Oakland, Illinois, and um, she used to be a former director for Ollie, the Association for the Work Life Initiative, and, um, um, and so and she does... Um, close-ups of, of plants, of flowers. And uh, uh, and then the other photographer is Tom Mullen of Whiting, Indiana. And uh, most, just about all of his uh, photographs are taken at the Wolf Lake Watershed, uh, which is, of course, our central focus. Um, and then uh, Roman and Maria. And in fact, I can have uh, Roman explain his sculpture. We need well, to really wrap up here, Michael, and we need to talk okay. about the location uh, where they can still see the exhibit you know, after your opening uh, and everything like that, and uh, how they can contact you maybe about getting in a future exhibit. So uh, tell us all about that. Sure. Um, this is um, the Bernard Gallery at Connect College of St. Joseph, and that's in Whiting, Indiana. We've been uh, showing here since um, 20, I think 2013 was the first year. And um, so, and that can be. Uh, the address is 2400 New York Avenue in Whiting, Indiana. And, um, um, and we'll, uh, be going through, uh, November 16th. So, uh, the artwork, uh, will, will be here for about a month. Is there a website they can find out or, uh, online viewing? Yes. Uh, I think just, uh, the, my email is michael at wolflakeinitiative.org. That's Michael at WolfLakeInitiative.org. And um, there will be information on our website. And um, if you uh, want to give a call, that's area code 
Well, we thank you for coming on Art on the Air. That's uh, Michael Bowes and Roman Maria Villarreal and uh, sharing their story and their art about the greening of the art show, uh, which will be running through November 15th, part of the Wolf Lake Initiative. Thank you so much for coming on Art on the Air. Thank you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Art in the Air, and we'd like to thank our guests this week on WVLP 103.1 FM and Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM, our weekly program covering arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. Art in the Air is heard every Friday at 11 a.m. and rebroadcast Monday at 5 p.m. on WVLP. Art in the Air streams live at WVLP.org and is rebroadcast on Monday at 5 p.m. Plus is also heard on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM every Sunday at 7 p.m. Also streaming live at LakeshorePublicRadio.org and is available on Lakeshore Public Radio's website as a podcast. Our spotlight interviews are also heard Wednesdays on Lakeshore Public Radio. Thanks again to Greg Kovach, WVLP Station Manager, and Tom Maloney, Vice President of Radio Operations for Lakeshore Public Radio. Our theme music is by Billy Foster with a vocal by Renee Foster. Art of the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant and the National Endowment for the Arts. Underwriters for Art in the Air, Walt Breidinger of Paragon Investments, and Marilyn Van, Arts Patron. Art in the Air is always looking for financial support. We'd like to thank our current supporters. If you're looking to support Art in the Air, Esther and I especially would invite you to become an underwriter of this program in particular. We have information on our website at breck.com AOTA. You can find out support information there. So don't just be an Art on the Air listener. Become a supporter or underwriter in whatever amount you're able to do so so we continue to bring you great content and this great local programming. And like I say every week, don't give till it hurts. Give till it feels good. And you'll feel so good about supporting Art on the Air. Information about Art on the Air is available at our website, breck.com slash AOTA. That's breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com slash AOTA. That includes a complete show archive, spotlight interviews, plus our show is available on multiple podcast platforms, including NPR One. Please like us on Facebook, Art on the Air, WVLP, for information about upcoming shows and interviews. If you're interested in being a guest or send us information about your arts, arts-related event, or exhibit, please email us at aota at breck.com. That's aota at breck, B-R-E-C-H, dot com, or contact us through our Facebook page. Your hosts were Larry Breckner and Esther Golden, and we invite you back next week for another episode of Art on the Air. Aloha, everyone. Have a splendid week. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Larry. Art on the air today. Stay in the know with Larry and Esther. Art on the air our way. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart. Express yourself to art and show the world.